dive into Acts chapter 2, verse 12 to start off this morning. So you can pull out your message notes. I would encourage you to grab them. This morning, we've got a lot of scripture. So if you got your Bibles, you'll have to just turn quickly. If you got your message notes, the scriptures are in the message notes. They'll also throw them up on the screen. Now, this is a passage where there is some misconception about God and Christianity. And because of that, people are making fun of Christianity and of God. Now, the context of the passage is we've seen Jesus. He came to this earth. He paid for the sins of the world by dying on the cross. He's resurrected three days later. He is now, after the resurrection, walking around for the next 40 days in his resurrected body, spending time with the disciples. And he ascends into heaven on the Mount of Olives. Now, he tells his disciples before he left, I want you to go and tarry. I want you to go hang out in an upper room. Don't go anywhere until you're endued with power from on high. In other words, look, I need you to be full of power to go and advance my kingdom on this earth. And so this is where we pick up. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out in a strange and a demonstrative way. And so we see the people are amazed and perplexed. In verse 12, they're amazed and perplexed. Now, I think that's how a lot of people see Christianity and the church and God right now. They're amazed and perplexed. And they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, look, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the 11. There's 11 disciples because Judas hung himself after betraying Jesus. And it says he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so this morning, I want to dive deeper and talk on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And my goal is to dispel some myths and misconceptions that we might have about the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Illuminate our hearts with your word. God, touch us. Allow us to see clearly in this moment what you would have to say about the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Now, most people understand God the Father, right? You have a pretty good understanding of what it means to be a father, so we can relate to God as God the Father. Now, we can also relate to Jesus the Son, because you can understand that relationship as a son. But when we talk about God the Holy Spirit, many times people say, look, I don't want, uh, I don't like ghosts. Come on, somebody, keep that ghost thing away from me, because, right, we, 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 we don't like ghosts. Does anybody like ghosts? Come on, somebody. No, 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 no. And so when we relate to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit thing, we kind of say, look, I'll take all of that, but I don't want that because it kind of scares me. And the truth is it's not what you think it is. And if you understood him, I promise you, you would want him. And so this morning, that's what I want to do. I'm asking you, if you have preconceived ideas, and even if you don't, could you just give me a blank page? Just give me 20 minutes to share on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. First, he is not an it. He is a person. He's a person. And he's the third person of the Trinity. And when we describe him, he is a him. Now, that's bad grammar, but that's good teaching. He's a him. 
And we need to see him as a person because when we see him as a person, we can then relate to him personally. And so we got to understand that. And the word spirit is actually mentioned more than 800 times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word in the New Testament, James, I don't know what we just did right there, but if we'll get that back. The, the New Testament word is actually pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Now, what that means is a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Now, I don't often complain about a translation, but I don't like it when they translate Holy Ghost. Even Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily capture it because in our culture, we think of ghost and we're like, I don't want a ghost. But how many would like a breath of fresh air blown in your life? How many like the breeze of God in your life? See, he's the wind in our life. And so when we look at the context with which the writers originally wrote this verse and passage all throughout the Bible, it makes sense. Oh, he's the breath in my life. He's the wind in my sail. He's not some scary thing out there that's trying to get me or something that is misrepresented. He's the wind in my sails. He refreshes me. So we got to know that. The second thing is he is not weird. People are weird. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not weird. It, and I, I recognize this. You know, we've been in this church. We launched it six and a half years ago. Uh, and it's interesting. I've only talked about this topic three times on a Sunday um, just, just for whatever reason. And this is one of those times. Uh, but, but what I recognized is I've never met someone that says they don't want the power of God. They just said they don't want the packaging that people have put that power in. And so you got to recognize if someone was weird before the Holy Spirit, they're still going to be weird after the Holy Spirit. I mean, can we not judge God by the weirdness of some people? Do you think I'm weird? No, hopefully not. I mean, so it, it's not the Holy Spirit that makes people weird. They're just, if someone said, yes, Pastor, you're weird. I, I saw you over there. No, I was joking. It's the packaging that people reject. And so I want to dispel some of the myths and some of the, the misunderstandings that we have on who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture here. I'm going to go pretty fast, but I want you to stay with me. The first thing Jesus said is he is the inner voice. So the Holy Spirit is my inner voice. Look at John 16, 8. Now, this is the conversation at the Last Supper. And he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. So when we say he is our inner voice, what we're saying is he's the one that speaks to us when there is a caution or a hold up. Have you ever felt that voice like, don't say that, don't do that, I wouldn't do that if I were you. That's, that's not necessarily you, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us and really being an inner voice to us. Now, Phyllis and I and our family, we have family fun days on Friday, and our tradition is to order pizza and wings every Friday. We just decided for our family we were going to do that, something the kids can always expect. It's a good cheat day. And so last week on Friday, we, uh, I was stuck at work, so Phyllis orders pizza and wings, and I'm not going to say the company we ordered it from, uh, but she orders it. They deliver it. I'm on my way home, and I get a call from Phyllis. She says, hey, babe, will you go by? and pick up a Diet Dr. Pepper, a two liter of Diet Dr. Pepper. I said, okay, and she said, well, they were supposed to bring us a two liter of Diet Dr. Pepper, and they messed it up. They brought us regular Dr. Pepper. 
And so I thought, okay, she said, well, I've already called them and everything's good. Just go by and pick it up. And it was on my way home. And so I said, no problem. I go in there. I'll do it. So I get into the place and walk in. I'm thinking there's only like three employees. So good Lord, it can't be that big of an operation. I'm like, hey, I'm here to pick up the diet, Dr. Pepper. And the person at the cash register just looked at me like, like a deer in the headlights. I have no idea what you're talking about. A diet, Dr. Pepper. I said, yeah, my wife called. He said, well, I don't know who your wife is. And I said, well, I'm glad, you know, but I'm telling you, she called <laughs> and, and said that it would be ready. And uh, he said, well, I don't know. He said, and I tried to tell him, he said, so you, you didn't get a Dr. Pepper? I said, no, a diet, Dr. Pepper. She's diabetic. She wanted a diet, Dr. Pepper, and I'm here to pick that up. So he goes to the cooler right here, and there's no diet, Dr. Pepper. And, uh, I, and then I said, well, that's okay. And for me, I'm trying to solve problems. There were four 16-ounce uh, bottles of Diet Dr. Pepper. So I said, look, four 16-ounce bottles of Diet Dr. Pepper equals a two-liter of Diet Dr. Pepper. I was trying to solve problems. And I said, hey, why don't we do this? Just, just give me those four bottles, and we'll call it even. And he said, oh, I, I don't know about that. I'm thinking, this ain't Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. And so I said, well, what do we do? He said, well, let me go talk to my manager. And yeah, I'm like, you can't just give me those four bottles. Like, and so he felt like 10 minutes he's back there. And so I'm just fuming and uh, just frustrated. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just calm down, be patient, have grace. And I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't have that much patience. Because have you ever just been frustrated? And you're like, I'm looking at it. Like, just give me some... And then I'm frustrated, like, you made the mistake. I didn't make the mistake. Now I had to come up here and get this. You should have just delivered it. I didn't say that, but I thought all that. You should have just brought it back because I'm that good of a customer every Friday. Don't you know every Friday we order pizza from you? It ain't that hard. Well, later, you dig into the conversation. He comes back. He's still a little bewildered. And I said, well, man, did you get your manager? Yeah, he's coming. So he finally comes up. And I told him the whole situation. Oh, yeah, I talked to your wife. I'm thinking, why didn't you tell him? They said, no problem, we'll get a two-liter. And I said, well, they said they're out of two-liters. I said, can I just get four of these 16-ounce bottles? He said, absolutely, just take them and go. <laughs> Duh. I'm like, for real? That's what I was trying to. And so I kind of look at that cash register guy, grab my, my four bottles and walk. And as I hit the door, he said, bye, pastor, have a great day. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. I know. So stupid. And if you're here today, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just never know. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know. And the Holy Spirit said, I told you to be patient. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's your inner voice. Second thing is, he's your teacher. Look, the Holy Spirit teaches us. So when you read your Bible, I need you to know it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates your Bible. You didn't have to go to seminary to get a theological degree to understand your Bible. That's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the revelation of God's Word. You'll begin to see things that you've never seen before. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit that's being demonstrated in your life. Look at John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Bible. God clearly spoke to us through his word, which is the infallible word of God, the Bible. And so he will remind us in our spirit what it is that he is speaking to us, even though you don't have a theological degree. 
So it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. You didn't have to go to seminary, and you don't even have to have me walk you through it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit being our teacher, illuminating the Word. Third thing is, He's my guide. And that's cool because a lot of you are looking for direction in your life, especially college students. You're looking for the, the direction. God, where do you want me to go? Maybe you're changing jobs or you're dissatisfied with where you're at. You're asking God, give me guidance. Well, the Holy Spirit is our guide, John 16, 13. But when he said the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So he leads us and guides us. In 2008, Phyllis and I moved to Houston. Uh, we were asked to help be a part of the launch and the building of a new church plant in Sugarland, Triumph Church Sugarland. And uh, so we were planning to move to Houston. We were living in Tyler, Texas. And the church that we were going to, the pastor found out that we were moving to Houston. And so when he found that out about a couple of days later, he actually asked me and made an offer for me to come on staff as his associate pastor and that I would stay at the, year, uh, the church two years and in two years he would transition it to me to be the lead pastor of that church. He was wanting to move up in the denomination. He was going to be a regional director and he needed someone to take the church and continue to build on what he had. Now, that's an amazing thing in and of itself, but this is a very successful church, over 1,500 people, a beautiful multi-million dollar property and campus right on the highway. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. Plus, he said, look, I'll give you six figures. Come on, somebody. And uh, he said, you don't even have to come to the office, but three days a week. And this will be yours in two years. And I thought, wow. I mean, that's amazing. That's a, I mean, that's an opportunity of a lifetime, especially recognizing what it is that we were coming to Houston to do. We agreed to come to Houston. And I was in full-time ministry, but the move to Houston would actually pull me out of full-time ministry. I would be a part-time executive pastor at a brand new church plant that was running less than 100 people. And on uh, top of that, I'd have to go get a vocational job, so, and it would probably take a couple of years before I could be back in full-time ministry. So when you weigh out these two options, I mean, clearly the opportunity is the pastor in Tyler, but the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, no, that's not your promise, that's Ishmael. And if you remember Abraham and Sarah, uh, they tried to make God's promise happen. So Sarah gave Abraham his, her handmaiden, and they birthed Ishmael, which was a counterfeit to the promise of God. And I felt like God said, if you stay in Tyler, it's a counterfeit to what God wants to do and what I want to do in your life. And so we moved to Houston. It wasn't easy. It was hard. But look at what God has done. We would not have launched Anchor Bend Church seeing God move in a powerful way with more than 7,000 people saying yes to Jesus in six years. And so it doesn't make sense in your mind. If you were to weigh out options, you're like, this looks way better. And people thought we were crazy. Why would you do that when you have this? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit was leading us and guiding us. Look at what Isaiah says. Whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit, he's your guide. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit is, he's a friend. Now, I can't tell you how close I am to the Holy Spirit. For me, he's my best friend. 
I talk to him all the time. For I, I go to asking him for wisdom. I pray, James, that God would give me wisdom. Uh, it says, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you for wisdom in meetings. I'm asking you for wisdom in the messages, in this church. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to me and allow me to see things that I didn't see otherwise because we have a friendship. That it's not just God I serve, but it's the Holy Spirit who is my friend, who I'm able to bounce some things off of and talk to so that he can then speak into my life and let me see things that I don't normally see. John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Now, the Greek word there is parakletos. It means comforter, one that's called alongside of you to help you. Aren't you glad that God gives us the comforter, the one who is to come alongside of us to help us. That we don't have to live this life all by ourselves. And he says, to be with you forever. And that's why the benediction of the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God. But look at what it says next. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So I want everyone to know Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross for you. I want everybody to experience the love of God and the love of the Father. But the Holy Spirit, I need you to know that's what God left. He left him on this earth so that we would have intimacy and friendship with the Father and with Jesus. That's the goal. And so many people can come to church and there's been a misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit. And so we say, God, I want you the Father, Jesus, I want you the Son. But Holy Spirit, I don't know about you. And you're missing the best part of your relationship with God. The intimacy and friendship that he has to offer each and every one of us. Ephesians 4.30. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. The Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Think about that. So if you're not really experiencing the Holy Spirit, you're missing the most intimate part of God in your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Now, you could be saying, all right, Jim, you convinced me. I want to experience the Holy Spirit. Now, there's only one problem. And really, this is the main problem that I've had people say when we talk about the Holy Spirit. They say, what about that tongues thing, right? I mean, can I have all of that without the tongue? Anybody with me? Like, I don't want all the tongues thing. And let me just explain this as best I can, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will reveal this to you through the words that I use. Not because of me, but let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 16, I want to exposit and go through this, and I want you to see something that I think is going to help you see clearly what God's intent was with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Uh, so it says, and so it was with me in verse 2, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but in God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
Now, the word glory there is kabod. Now, kabod means the full weight of God. So what he wants us to do, he wants us to experience as Christians the full weight of God, not in eternity, but here on this earth. And it's when we experience the full weight of God that we receive the full power of God to operate in this world and not of this world. Which is why Jesus said it's so important. Think about the disciples could have gone out preaching the gospel at any time. They had been with Jesus. They knew the message that Jesus proclaimed. But the reason he said, I need you to wait, I need you to tarry, is because I need the kabod, the full weight of God, to fall in your life so that you have the power of God in your life. That's how come Peter, who denies Jesus just months earlier, is now, after being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, carrying the kabod of the Spirit, he sees 3,000 people converted in one day. One who denied is now proclaiming and confessing. Why? Because pre-Holy Spirit, no power. Post-Holy Spirit, all power. Same man, different experience. It's the kabod. It's the weight of God. And and so what we understand is there is a dilemma in our life. We have a limited capacity to receive the full weight of God's glory in your life. I like to say it like this. You have a limited hard drive space. Our natural man, our body and our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, really can't receive the full weight of God's glory in our life. So God had to find a way to bypass the body and the soul, and to get you the glory by bypassing the natural. And how does he do that? He does that by the spirit. When you are saved, we become alive in spirit. So you are a body, you have a body, you, are, you have a soul, but you are a spirit. And so it's the spirit of God that comes alive. That's his solution, is to get the full weight of his glory to your spirit man. And it's that spirit man that now walks in the power and the glory of God, the kabod of God in this earth. And, and so here's what he had to do. So this whole tongue thing, let me explain it. He had to create a language that would bypass your mind. A language that you wouldn't understand and fight against. Something that was supernatural, that your spirit man would understand, but you may not understand and may never understand. Look at what it says in Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. How many have ever been in a situation and you ain't got a clue of what to pray for? A couple of you. I got two of you. That's awesome. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So it's bypassing the natural, our limited hard drive, our mind, our will, and our emotions and it's this place of limited understanding that causes us to miss out on God's best for our life. So let me explain it like this. So when he says, we don't know what we ought to pray for, you may pray in English for what you think you need. Come on, you're married. You're like, Lord, change my spouse. I'm going to kill them because they are the problem. Clearly, God, it is not me. It is my spouse. And I need you to fix her. I need you to fix him. And if you don't. I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, I'm asking you to fix them, change them. I, I help them not be selfish. Lord, help them, help them to get up and be disciplined, you know, and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. Well, what is that? That's your mind, that's your will, that's your emotions. 
However, you begin to pray in the spirit in tongues, and it's a very interesting thing. You're saying in your mind, fix them. You begin to pray in another language, and God is praying, change me. I'm prideful. I'm arrogant. I'm blinded. I've got hurts from the past. Help me, God. Fix me. Let your spirit resonate. And so you begin to pray God's perfect will because you're bypassing your limited hard drive. Same thing with your kids. God, my kids, they're the problem. They're the problem. And you start saying whatever in English. And you begin to make demands on God. And then God says, I need you to switch to tongues. I need you to switch to the spirit. You pray in the spirit. And it's all about God fix me. God change me. God help me. How do I know? I don't know. I just know that when you pray, you're praying God's perfect will. How many want to pray God's perfect will in situations in our life? And so that's what happens is it leaves your brain out. It doesn't mean you're an idiot. It doesn't mean you're weird. God is bypassing the natural and stepping you into the supernatural. So I, here's, here's another question I've had. People say, Pastor, can I be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Yes. But you can be married and not kiss your bride, too. But why? Why would you do that? Come on, why? No, no. I want intimacy with my wife. Come on, somebody. It's like, so I would have to ask you, why is it that you're so afraid of tongues? Tongues are not weird. They're not, they're not disheartening. Like, like, there's nothing crazy about it. So we have to go back to this tongue thing and say, why do you feel like it's repulsive? It's a beautiful experience that God has given to every believer who wants to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what's amazing. It's found all throughout the scripture. I mean, you go into Acts in the New Testament. I mean, you see that the crowds thought that they were drunk on wine. But what's amazing, they were praying in tongues. And all the different nations represented heard them speaking in their language. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And we want to make sure that we recognize, God, you're the one that gave us this language, and we're going we're gonna to honor it and love it, and there's no reason for us to think it's repulsive. Someone said, well, it'd be weird. No, you're not going to be weird. You're going to be powerful. I want God's power in my life. I have to tell you, you know, I don't often say this, and I don't pray in tongues over the mic, but I pray in tongues every single day of my life. Like I just, it's a beautiful thing. It's, someone says, well, what, what makes the difference? This is what makes the difference. I, if, if I didn't have this experience in my life, then I wouldn't walk in the full power that God has given for me to walk in in my life. And so it's an amazing thing. So now I want to go into this, how do I receive him? And we're going to, we're, we're, we're just getting ready to close. I wanted to leave just a few minutes at the end. Um, and I just want you to get ready. Now I think there's a lot of you, you've experienced this. But I think there are some of you this morning, you've never experienced it. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I feel like the power of God is going to be in this place. The Holy Spirit's going to move in a profound way. And we don't often do this on a Sunday, but I felt like God said, set my people up for the fall. Like he wants to fill you up. And so we're just obeying the voice of God. The first thing is this. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to remove all barriers. Some of you might have doctrinal hang-ups. And you're going to have to overcome that. You've got to get rid of those barriers. Especially if you grew up in a church that said speaking in tongues was of the devil or it was of the time of the New Testament. It's just not true. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible that it says it was just for the, the time of Jesus. And it's, it's not of the devil. 
clearly we see in Scripture, and I feel like I've laid out as many Scriptures as possible this morning that would clearly show you that it's God's will for you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have to reject what you've heard, uh, and you have to accept what God's Word has spoken to you this morning. It's really God's way of giving you power and filling you with life. And so you've got to remove the barriers. And, and the greatest way to do that is to repent uh, of your sin. Repent of the doubt and unbelief. Repent of the unforgiveness and ask God to fill you with faith. And that's really the second. Well, let me go into Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. Look, nowhere in there does it say just for the New Testament. You and your children and for all. Everybody say all. That includes us today. For all who are far off and all whom the Lord God will call. Second thing is you got to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you just have to ask him for it. God, I want, this is the way I like to say it. God, I want all that you have for me. I just want, I don't want to live on limited portion of you. I want all that you have for me in my life. And we're not seeking an experience. We're seeking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to indwell in our lives. And then that power will fill our hearts. Look at Luke eleven thirteen. If then you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those whom ask him? I mean, imagine, just, just ask. So we just, we're going to request, God, we're asking you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The third thing is receiving by faith. It's not a linguistic seizure. Not Honda and my bow die, da da da. You know, no, it just that's that's it's something precious. It's a beautiful prayer language. We're asking for the gift and that we would receive, and it takes faith. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then the last thing is you just got to release your prayer language. Now, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but God's not going to take over your tongue. Just like the Holy Spirit and God doesn't take over your life, he don't make you do the right thing. You still have to choose to operate with God. And so you got to make a decision to speak. And what that means is you have to make a decision to stop speaking in English. And a lot of times that comes in syllables. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. You know, I've, been, I've had my prayer language now for so long. Um, it's natural for me. But when you're first starting, you're like, well, that, 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 that you know, it's kind of like these little syllables. And you're like, well, well, what is that? Well, just roll with it. That's the power of God. It's not the devil telling you stuff. And so then people walk in fear. Well, what will people think? Who cares what people think? I need the power of God in my life. Like, I'm tired of living defeated. And I wish I could tell you it was something different. It's just, it's not. It's that simple. It's that simplistic. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to do two things. First, I just want to pray over you in general. And then I want to pray for those that have never surrendered their life to God. And then we're going to take a moment. We're going to sing a song. And I want to come back together. And I want to pray for those of you that want to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but right now, I just, I'm asking you, don't move around. You know, if you're here this morning, just... We're right on time. I saved enough time. You're going to be able to get out right on time. But let's see what God would do in this moment. Let's see what the power of God would do in our lives. And, and look, I'm praying this as well. Some of you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, but you feel like it was at one point in your life and you haven't felt it again or experienced it again. Look at what Acts 13, 52. It's not just a one-time event. 
says, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean, Pastor? That means I'm continually filling myself with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm prayed in tongues. So it's a constant thing. It's not just a one-time, one-and-done, and I'm good. It's a constant. And so I'm going to pray for those of you that have had that experience, but you don't feel like it's that constant as well. I want you to get ready. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. Now, Father, I thank you so much for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for my best friend. I thank you that right now you would break all fear, break all doubt, break all unbelief. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Fill your people with your presence and your power. God, that they would never be the same, that the moment they experience it, they walk out of here new and fresh with your glory with your power in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. There are some of you here right now, before we talk about the Holy Spirit, we got to talk about the condition of your life. You've never surrendered your life to God. You've never put Him in first place. Maybe you have, but you turned away. You've gone astray. And what, what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity right now to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. And let him be your savior. Let him be the one that saves you. And it's an amazing thing. You'll never be good enough to work your way to heaven. Works will never get you there. Will never bring a relationship with God. It's by grace through faith. It's amazing. You can't do anything. Jesus has already paid the price. The only thing you do is you confess it. Jesus, I believe you're my Lord. I'm asking you, be the Lord of my life. And believe in your heart, God. You raised him from the dead, and his resurrection power I'm inviting inside of me. It's an amazing experience. And if that's you and you're ready right now to surrender your life to him, I wonder if you'd just be bold enough to raise your hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation right now. and Just raise it up high. Just That's me, Pastor. I'm ready right now to surrender everything to him. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. So proud of you. So proud. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross, that you rose again. And today, I put my trust in you. I repent of all my sins. I'm asking you to change me. I'm asking you to forgive me. Come and live inside of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I give you everything right now in Jesus' name. Come on, celebrate God this morning.